Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane, and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck-to-paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. Today I'm talking with my friend, Ashley Armato. Let me tell you what. First of all, Ash is like one of my favorite people to chat with, and I'm excited about this conversation because it's something a little bit different. We're living in a world now filled with niching down and specializing, and it's very rare when we get to hear from somebody who enjoys doing all of the things. So today we are talking with Ash kind of about why she likes doing all the things, what it looks like to do all the things, um, and especially what it feels like to do all the things in a world that seems like it's trying to get you to specialize in just one or two things. So this is an awesome, awesome conversation. I hope that you enjoy it. If you like it, don't forget to tag me, tag Backroom Beauty Talks, tag Ash underscore Armato, and please enjoy. Hey, Ash. Hi, Misty. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you for this today. <laughs> I'm excited to be here all by myself for the first time. This is the first time I'm ever doing this alone, so I'm a little nervous. Yeah, so for the listeners, um, me, Ash, her fiance, Jess Taylor, and then Shelby Betancourt, we usually do like a group podcast once a month. You've probably listened to them because I replay them on here, um, but I haven't even, I, you know, I replay them on this podcast, but I haven't gotten to the ones you're in yet because I'm still doing our old, old ones. Oh, so, so you guys are going to meet me before you meet me. Exactly. Which makes it even better. So Got tell it. the listeners who you are and what you do. Uh, so my name is Ashley Armato. It's uh, on Instagram. It's Ash underscore Armato. I am a... I'm a researcher and an experimenter. It, that's my human design. So I would rather say that I am those things rather than I'm also a hairstylist um, and an educator for, um, I've been a hairdresser for probably 14 years and um, an educator for probably like eight of those. And I'm from Long Island, New York. I'm engaged to Jess and she's like a hair extension balayage like rock star. Mm -hmm. And um, we met because I was actually um, her teacher 
couple years ago, um, teaching hair cutting at a salon that she worked at. I didn't know that's how you met. Yeah, yeah. I used to teach for KMS and she was um she was like pretty like green. She was only like a couple of years in at the time. Jess hasn't been doing hair as long as I have. She just kind of like exploded, like she's an animal. So um, so I was teaching a class and she was one of my students. And then the next time she met me, she brought me a box of donuts. So hot for teacher situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did have a girlfriend at the time. I also was under the impression that Jess was just friendly. surprise surprise yeah yeah. the read the main reason I wanted to bring you on this podcast is because uh, you know a lot of times actually a lot in general on Instagram a lot of things you listen to people are talking about niching down they're talking about doing only the things that you love or doing like you know I'm a specialist in this category or this category but you do all the things and you love it Mm -hmm. and I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that that's great and I feel like there's this like a little bit of like a, um, not misinformation, that's not the right word, but kind of misunderstanding that like you have to niche down and you have to pick what you like and that's it. And like, that's the only way to be successful. And I strongly, strongly disagree. Yeah. So tell me all the things that you do. Um, I, I mean, anything you could think of that has to do with hair, I do it. I, I, I like if some, if somebody walks in with, with texture, um, I'll do it if it's, um, I've done like, I've done a couple perms in the past couple of months. Like I do, (laughs) I have like my, my single processes. I have, you know, traditional foil clients. I have balayage clients. I do men's haircuts. I fade. Um, I use a straight razor. I do, um, short haircuts on women, long haircuts. Um, you know, kids, Mm-hmm. You know, I, is there anything I, you don't like to do that you still do? Uh, people that I don't like, <laughs> it's yes. really, yeah, it's really, it's like, you know, I definitely have a couple of people that I don't particularly like love that they're, I feel like their, their energy is definitely invasive. Yeah. Um, but they pay and, um, you know, I try to just accommodate certain things at the end of the day, if, if it's like going to be a struggle, but you know, I, I can tell that somebody appreciates me and they appreciate what I do for them or the patients that I have for them. So I, you know, I try to give people some grace. So it's mostly, mostly people over the things, you know, I still have like blowout clients. I still have clients that I blow out like, you know, once a week and I can't, it's like so silly to me, but it's like, you know, she hugs and kisses me goodbye every single week and she looks forward to it. And, you know, she tips really well and it's just, it just is what it is. Like, yeah, I feel like it's safe to say that you could niche down on a people type and not a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Most definitely. I think my, my clients are like mostly, I have a, I have a lot of clients that I would consider them to be friends. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of clients that like, I would probably like if me and Jess actually have a wedding, there's clients that I would consider inviting, you know, over family members that I have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, only because like, I've, I've talked to some of these people more intimately about my life in theirs than I have with some other people that, you know, and some of these people I've seen consistently, you know, monthly, you know, or bi-monthly for the past 10 years of my career and some family members I haven't seen in three or four. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird job to have. 
it is. And I, and I think that there's this like, um, you know, okay, well, you've got to keep it only business or you have to keep, you know, like if you get too personal, like it crosses boundaries. And I disagree Mm -hmm. with that because I Mm -hmm. have clients that have been with me since I was right out of high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have stuck with me through moves. They have stuck with me with stopping doing hair for 10 months. They're still coming to me like one day a week. Like, I mean, and it's kind of like, no, like I, I have been to some of their houses. They brought me food when I had Declan, like, Like Mm -hmm. I like having a relationship with my clients. Like I don't like the clients that I don't remember their names when they leave or they don't want, like, I don't. 100% and relationships end. And that's the whole thing is if a relationship ends when you do a price increase or if, you know, I have, I have one guy um, that I do and he literally is a, a, like, I literally do a flat top on him as my client, Kevin. But when I tell you he's one of, not now I'm friendly with a lot of my clients. That's not to say that they all have my phone number because that's too much for me. Like if we want to chat back and forth, whatever, but a couple of them do, he's one of the ones that has my phone number and he's, he's an older dude. And me and him, we just vibe. Like we like the same movies. We vibe out. Like if I watch a documentary, I send it to him. I text it to him. He'll text me other stuff, you know, whatever his wife has MS. So she's the only person I do at home. Mm-hmm. So I go to their house to do her hair. And like for me, like I never do a price increase on Kev because he's, he's in and out in two minutes. I do his flat top. It takes me 10 seconds. That doesn't bother me. I enjoy our relationship. He pays me. He's, you know what I mean? He gives me great Christmas gifts and, and like, he's, you know, he's a good guy. So, I mean, I think, I think like if, if somebody makes you miserable and they don't want to do the price increase, then they're probably not your friend. So I would say like, you know, don't stress it. If you feel like, you know, you have to ask yourself too, like, okay, like if I'm going to do this price increase, like, am I doing it because, you know, everybody else is charging a certain price in my area. And now I want to start charging that price. I'm, I'm also really busy and can I charge more for these services, even if it's like five or $10 more and like, kind of like chip away at a couple people off my back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that'll happen. So like, for me, I just kind of like try to like compare myself to what else is out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't price myself differently just because I think I'm the shit. Like I, I think I am like, I, I, I really can do a lot. I'm, I know I'm really capable, but I try to just like do what I feel like is comparable to the area around me. If I feel like, like I had two price increases this year on my, my um, men's haircuts because they were just dumb cheap and like my men's haircuts are sick. So like, I'm not going to charge less than the people around me. I might charge a little bit more. Right. And like some of those clients were just like, well, this is, this is nuts. You two price increases in one year. And like, that's a, that's a 35% blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. My boss, I don't know what to tell you. I just blame it <laughs> on my boss. I just blame it on my boss. And then I just kind of decide like, all right, I guess this guy's not my friend. Right. You know what I mean? I, I just guess he's not my friend because at the end of the day, he's going to go down the block to this person, that person, to that person. They're going to be charging what? Five dollars less than I am. Right. If it's worth it to you, then go. I, I that 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 kind of stuff. I don't sweat. Yeah. And the price increase thing is interesting because I was the same. Like once I started getting too busy, that's when I would raise my prices. Yeah. Like I have already exceeded the point where I'm paying like I'm able to pay my rent. I'm able like I've already like that's covered at this point yeah. in my career. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, but it's like, if my book gets too full, it's time for a price increase because I yeah. don't like it that way. I want right. to give the client to do respect my time, do respect my price, more of a chance to get in with me. Yeah. You know, so I need to weed out the people who like I'm at the top of their price range. And if I raise it $5, they get upset. Like they, yeah. you know, and it's true. Like you can't take it personal, even if you have a personal relationship with somebody. Yeah. Which is yeah. hard sometimes. Oh yeah. No, it's super hard. It's super hard. I'm not saying that it's not hard. I'm just like, I just think that like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you go to work to make money. So like I, when I got into my salon, I didn't, I didn't mean to do so many like men's haircuts. What happened was, was that like my, um, I originally worked in the city. I worked at a salon in Manhattan for a little while. And I decided that it was too far from my family. It's not a lifestyle thing for me. And being in this business at the time felt like, you know, um, to build a clientele, you have to stay in one spot and just be there for as long as possible. And that was just the way you just have to show up and you have to just be reliable. Right. So I'm like, if I keep showing up in the city, I'm going to end up creating a life out here. And I don't feel like this is what I, what I want. Like I, I grew up on Long Island. I like being close to the beach. I like being around my family. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm out. So I came back to Long Island. And before I put myself in another salon, one of my, um, one of my old friends from high school, he had opened a barbershop. So I was doing my friends out of the back of the barbershop because he had a sink back there. So I was just doing friends and stuff. And then I would just like hang out while I was like looking at other salons and stuff. And like, it would give me something to do. And I would just watch them and stuff. So then by the time I found a salon and started working there and I started as an assistant, um, then I I knew how to cut men's hair. And then, so then when guys would tub in, they would be like, oh, you feel comfortable, whatever. So I would, then like I built a clientele of men like kind of on accident just because they knew <laughs> I had watched I had watched people in a barbershop before so be careful what you tell people too <laughs> be careful what you tell people um but so now it's like my clientele is probably about like it's like when I look at it in the computer it's literally like 50 50 oh I bet yeah yeah it's like fully split down the middle I try to, and for, for people that want to like, that feel like, oh, like, you know, should I be specializing in things that make the most money and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, it's like, that's cool. I, I mean, I'm all about like security. I thrive on security. Everybody that's listening to this, you guys are all going to be different. You might have backup. You might have a parent that's like paying your rent and God bless, God bless your parents worked hard to be able to take care of you. And I love that for you. I really, truly do. You might be in a different situation. That was not my situation. My situation was different. So to me, it was like, oh, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to do it. Right. And I didn't mind. And I liked it. And I also like the idea of feeling like no matter how my client changes or no matter how styles change, like they feel like I'm capable. Like yeah. I can have a conversation with them about like like trends or things changing or something new or whatever, or somebody can see me doing something in the salon and they can say like, oh, my, my, my son said that they wanted to do something like that. Or my boyfriend, he would look really good with something like that. Like that's normally like where a lot of the new, my newer clients come from is like girls in the salon. They see me like 
doing guy lights on somebody like you don't know how many guys they're like I'm like well why don't you get a balayage or like you know what I mean and they're like yeah but I don't want to look like I don't want my (laughs) friends to know I like colored my hair you know but like you know then they do and they love it um so I think like for me it was just about like I feel like where I'm at is I'm definitely playing the long game and it's definitely the consistent game for like the average I don't know how to compare myself to other people I feel like I'm I'm a commission stylist um I feel like making if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year doing hair that's pretty damn good yeah yeah, I think, I think that's pretty damn good. So I, I work four days a week, but I work 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. I'm booked. Um, you know, if it's bigger appointments, they could take me an hour to an hour and a half, but haircuts, I only book out 30 minutes and I try to just, I'm, you know, I'm racing the clock and I have like two different assistants I can pull from the floor to help me style and stuff like that. Um, but to me, I feel like if, if you're only doing three, three people a day, right. Or two people a day. Some people are only doing one person a day because that's all they can, they can stand to do, which is fine. I just feel like, you know, what if I have a bad week or a bad month, or if I go through something or whatever, or I'm just less than my best and I have the opportunity, or if somebody else just decides to come along in my area, right. And start pulling some of my people some of my clients then now they do balayages and they do this and they do that and that's all I do you know then now I'm kind of leaving myself open to kind of you know to step into a little bit of like a dangerous kind of thing you know what I mean I always wonder if it goes out of style what happens then and that's the other thing too it's like you know I like some somebody asked me the other day she was like can I just have like she literally just wanted like a very slightly graduated brown to bob and told me to make her look like she wanted Ghislaine Maxwell energy. And I'm oh, like, I saw hey, I saw you post yeah. that picture. <laughs> Not sure how <laughs> I feel about the energy aspect, but she does have a good haircut. <laughs> right, 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 right. But then you're thinking to yourself and then you're thinking and then I'm thinking like, all right, like, but how many younger kids like new in the game who learned how to like tease hair and do a root smudge, you know? How many of them can handle this? If this could be the the thing, if what if what if Bob's are what if Bob's are back? Right, then Bob's what? are never. I'm just gonna say this right now. Bob's are Bob's never out of style. Ne- never ever. Out. <laughs> but like, what if it becomes like really hot? Like, okay, so now this is the other example too. Like that, like like super layered haircuts are like mm-hmm. now you know, that's, that's the thing when like everybody wanted what would basically look like a one length haircut for the past, like, you know, seven years. So now like super layered, super angled, like, you know, bouncy round layers are like back in style. And like, yeah. And like, so now, and like, to me, I'm like, yeah, all day, I could do this all day. Yeah. Piece of cake. You're cutting off like to these girls who have had one length hair, you're cutting off a ton of hair. Right. On the ins on the interior, right? Yeah, and they're it's gonna freak them out. <laughs> it's gonna freak them out, but also too, like you're giving them the right haircut, but like do like if you're like specializing in like boho hair or doing whatever and you're not really like cutting so much, like are you how are you figuring this out if you haven't like 
I mean, me personally, I still watch, I do a lot. So I have to watch like a ton of videos every once in a while. Like I'll just give my, like somebody asked me for something. I just start like, you know, looking around. I'm, I'm always learning or teaching myself new ways to do things because if you're doing the same thing all the time, you know, you're, you're like autopilot. Yeah. You're on autopilot. You could balayage with your eyes closed. You could do, but I jump from like one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. So like, I do always need to like refresh myself on other stuff. Right. But Which I, I always... think is important anyway. Oh yeah. Cause shit's going to yeah. change. I mean, if you even think about like the balayage trends, they're changing, mm-hmm. you know? So oh, you yeah. have to constantly learn. I would say, you know, I was listening to you and what I'm hearing is you can specialize in making people feel good. Yeah. And and that is what I think is so damn important that people forget. And that's like not in the narrative these days as much, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the narrative is like work less, make more money. That's like the main thing, which like, of course, I think it's awesome. But like, you know, I know plenty of people that, you know, went to college for however many years and make, you know, we make the same amount of money and I work four days you know, not saying that I don't work hard because trust me, I go to work and I'm busting my ass, like, you know, but like, sometimes I think like, you know, sitting where you are for a minute and being grateful and saying like, holy shit, like I get to like do people's hair. I like actually like it. I think it's fun. People pay me. And like, now I like own a house, you know, and I don't like pull up into the parking lot and like, you know, curse at the steering wheel every time I roll in. Like I, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I do. I feel good. You've got to love your job. And I I think though, I will say like, so when I was out in my suite, especially the last year that I was there, um, I started like weeding out the things that I didn't love. And it wasn't necessarily like, I, I fucking hate updos. I stopped doing those the moment I got out of a commission salon, men's cuts, it's not that I don't like men's cuts. I have a weird, nothing like happened to me that I know of, but <laughs> I have a weird thing of being alone with men that I don't like. So mm. I started to try and like weed my men's cuts out. And so it was more of like, it wasn't necessarily the money. And I think some clients thought that because I mm-hmm. began, I specialized in lived in looks. That didn't mean mm-hmm. I didn't do root touch-ups. Lived in looks have fucking gray coverage. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but for me, it was a feeling. Yeah. It was a feeling that I wanted when I went to work that I, if I felt good, I could make my clients feel good. Yeah. And then it changes. Like that's yes. the whole thing. It's like, sometimes I'll go to work and I'll feel awesome for a couple of months. And then, you know, you have a couple of hard weeks where either you're, you're working really hard and you're making good money, but it doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel worth it. Like it doesn't feel like an even exchange, the energy and your physical body are just like, wait a minute, like whatever. And then you just like reassess and evaluate. I, and then you raise your price or like you weed, you weed people out or you do whatever, like, you know, and, and you figure it out. And I think that you can't feel bad if six months after that, you feel like, all right, I'm starting to feel a little bit like, starting to feel a little bit beat up again how do I adjust again like do I do I come in later on a certain day or leave earlier you know like how do I figure that out now and it's like you know it's okay to keep reevaluating what you're doing until you find something and also too I mean at the end of the day like I think what people forget is like work is work 
Right. If it wasn't work, they would just call it fucking fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you're, I feel like if you're, you're lucky, you're lucky if you're having fun half of the time. Yeah. If well, you're I, having fun half of the time, that's pretty lucky. And and if you're having fun 100% of the time, amazing. But also too, like you can't expect that because you are still a service provider. You are still at work. You can absolutely make it fun. You can absolutely have like clients that you love and do whatever. And then you can have some clients that are just kind of like, nah, she doesn't really do it for me or whatever, but that's not why she's there. Right. You know, she's there to just pay you money and to do your thing. And you never know. A couple appointments later, she might be. She yeah. might like her more than you thought. That's happened to me a couple of times. Yeah. I dreaded someone at first. And then like, it was like, oh, okay, I actually, she, she's actually one of my greatest clients now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I think that, um, I think there's just so much pressure. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all for making things feel better, you know, mm-hmm. like. Um, but I totally agree. Like there's going to be some shit you don't want to do. There's going to be clients that don't hundred percent fulfill you, but they still, maybe they buy all the products and tip you well. And like, you know, so I think, do you agree that it's like, okay, obviously everyone works differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you agree that it's like, okay, like drop all the noise from everything else you're hearing and what the fuck do you want out of (laughs) your you know, right. out of your career and your life right. and what can right. you do to make that happen? Well, and okay. So then that's the other thing too, is I think that the easiest way for me to drop the noise, because working with somebody like Jess, who definitely specializes and she's not, and that's the other thing too. So, and, uh, and not to like, whatever, but like, I think that if you specialize in anything, does that mean that you specialize in it? Or does it mean that you just don't know how to do anything else? Mm. You know yes. what I mean? So yes. like, I think a lot of people have leaned on, on the idea of calling themselves like specialists. When in reality, like sis, you just don't know how to do anything else, which is yeah. okay. And you'll, you'll get by like that. And that's whatever, like Jess calls herself a specialist, but like, she's not posting pictures of the men's haircuts that she does. She does right. do like, she's still kept like three of them just because she likes them. Right. And, and, and they pay and they've been with her forever and they, and like whatever, or like, you know, she does have a couple of root touch up that she does here and there for some people that she really enjoys. And like, you know, they get their foils and then they need their grays covered and like, whatever, like, you know, and she's just like, ah, oh, you know, I could have so-and-so do it, but I kind of want to chat her up. You know what I mean? I like, think most stylists are like that. I think that Instagram yeah. puts this facade that, cause even when I was, you know, switching over and like being a lived in color specialist, like I just mm-hmm. didn't post the picture of Susan's hair that, you know, looked like she was about to go to church and, you know, <laughs> like, like it, right. I still did it. I still loved her. I just 100%. didn't post it. Cause it's not, I didn't necessarily want more of that, 100%. but it's not saying that I don't want to keep the ones that I had hundred percent. And that's the whole thing. And like, so I think that that's the other thing too, is it's like, I feel like my, my Instagram is pretty versatile when it comes to like age and like race and like, like style and stuff like that. And it's not like intentional. Like I didn't do that on purpose. It's just like actually what I'm doing. Right. You know? And if it's like, and if it's interesting enough to me, and if I feel like the before and after is good enough, then I'm just going to post it. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's like, 
you know, whatever. But like Jess was doing that with me too. And I'm like, ah, I want to make more money. I want to make more money. I want to make more money. And she was like, well, just post, you know, post the stuff that makes you the most money. Like, that's what I do. I just post the stuff that makes me the most money. And then I just get more of that. And like, she's absolutely right. She's not wrong. That is the absolute truth. If there's something that you want to do, post more of that. But also to like, like you were saying, get rid of all the noise and try to figure out what you actually want out of your career. At the end of the day, we're showing up to work to make money. So to me, like, okay, if I want to make more money, what does that mean? I have to produce I have a dollar amount in mind, right? Like I told myself, okay, if I can, if I work four days, if I can produce a thousand dollars a day or more, like that's my goal for every single week, right? you know? And to me, like once I had that number in my head, it didn't matter what those services necessarily were. It just mattered that I was able to do it. You know what I mean? Because then you start to see your books differently. You know what I mean? I can add this. I can do that. I can move this here. I could put that there whatever. And then, and then some of those services will start to look like they don't make sense to your goals. There are some of those things that are, you're going to say, okay, well, if I'm going to be hitting a thousand dollars a day and my book is starting to look like this, then maybe when I do this person, I'll put them actually here with my assistant to do that, or I'll do this to do that. Like, so it's, you know, you have to kind of like figure out what, what your goals are and what you can do. Cause then like, then I was hitting my goals just because I added $10 to my men's haircuts. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And they were paying and then that was it. And then you just move on and you get over it. So I was the same way. I had a certain amount of week that I needed to bring in to like hit all the things like for me Mm -hmm. when I was in my suite. And, um, I agree. I like that because sometimes we think, oh, I have to do more of the big ticket, but well, or you could just slightly raise everything across the board and it's going to be the same amount as you would have a big ticket. 100%. Which that comes down to paying attention to your numbers, but that's for another podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, do you ever feel pressure? Like, do you ever feel I'm going to say quote unquote unsuccessful because of all the noise that's out there. Do I ever feel unsuccessful because of the noise? Not because you are unsuccessful because you're not, but no, like, no. you know no, what I'm no, saying? No. I, I'm trying to say like, do I feel like there's something I'm missing out on in the industry because of the way I work or, or, or do you and, feel like does almost some of the education or things almost make you feel like you're doing it wrong? That's what I worry about when I see some stuff out there. I worry about the stylists who do enjoy doing all the things. And I worry that they're going to feel like they're doing it wrong or they're not successful because they're not niching down or, you know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think I've definitely. You have, you're breaking up just a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Um, Um, You have, I think we've all, I think I have too. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I've definitely felt that way because um because I like yeah I'm engaged to somebody like I said that's very niche not just niche in herself but her salon is very niche like all of them are like you know specializing in in balayage and doing extensions and doing these like higher ticket things you know what I mean um but I think that what I see in you know being able to look at the things side by side and to say, all right, well, like, here's my level of consistency every week when it comes to like my books, my numbers, my clients. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, I can look at these girls and like, yeah, like 
you know, you could do that balayage, whatever, but you have to have a lot more clients than I have to have in rotation. You know what I mean? Yes. That's something I don't think people think about. Oh yeah. They're not realizing is that like, I have balayage clients. I have a ton. I do a ton of balayage clients. I do a ton of lifting color. I do all of that stuff. Some of these girls I don't see for an entire year. Right. Some of them I don't see for a year, but like I have my, my like, like other clients that like are in the rotation for every, every month, every other month Mm -hmm. for different stuff. So like the way I make money is, is, is very reliable Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I don't have to be as concerned with, um, everybody's posting balayage stuff. Everybody's posting balayage stuff. So like any girl that gets a balayage can go and find anybody that's available around the area. If you're, if you're not making yourself available to do however many people in a day. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, Tracy's going back to college and she needs to get her hair done and she didn't book her appointment. You know, she's going to find somebody else that posted something and then boom, you, there you go. You lost, you lost somebody or whatever. And that's out of your, you know, your six month rotation of people that you're doing, you know, and we're talking about like real, we're talking about, I'm, I'm trying to explain like what it's like to be like a real hairstylist. Like I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I don't like, I'm not doing like, I maybe do like two like influencers, but when I tell you I did them on accident and I had no idea, <laughs> they just came in and then I was like, Jess, look at this. This girl's got like 150,000 followers. And she's like, why'd you do her hair? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Cause she asked for me and I'm awesome. But I, I like conversations like this because I think we need more conversations with the everyday stylists. I think, yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of conversations with educators, people who have been doing, you know, it for a long time and are now like branching out into other areas or doing other mm. things. But it's very rare when we sit down and just talk to a stylist that is like everyone listening. Yeah, because I, I do I, think I, the pressure that that stylists have nowadays to be more whatever that it whatever that means mm-hmm. is like it's like, calm down. Like just what makes you happy? Like you don't have to go out and own a salon. You don't have to go independent. You don't have to do all these things if that doesn't make you happy. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's break it down. If you are, I mean, let's make it like, how, how open do I want to be? Um, it's my podcast. So you better be very (laughs) open or I'm Um, not all right. So, there. so let's be, so let's be real. Like if somebody, if you're working in a salon and I have been in the same salon for the past 10 years, I grew there from working as a salary stylist to, because I've started as an assistant and then I worked on a salary and a day rate. I grew a clientele um, that wasn't on Instagram. I grew it organically. Like, like I live in the fucking olden days like and I'm only people? 33. Yeah. Well. <laughs> As a 36 year old, I get it. <laughs> right. I'm fucking, I'm only 33 years old. And I feel like I am ancient compared to the way that some people are growing their clientele. But also too, you know, that being said, my fiance is 40. And that really was how she built her clientele was on the internet and on Instagram and doing all that kind of stuff. Like me and her come from two totally different ends of the, of the spectrum on how we did things. And we became successful separately in our own way. So I think what I need to, what people need to get is that like, if you're not that person, if that doesn't come 
naturally to you. Don't feel bad about it. It doesn't really come naturally to me so much. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it because I do like talking to people. I do like being in front of people. I do like sharing. I just always would have a complex about like, well, do people give a shit about what I have to say? Or, and then I just decided it doesn't fucking matter. They don't really have to listen if they don't care. But, but I think like, okay, so I, I like, I worked all weekend. I worked um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the first like seven years of my career. And that was probably the biggest way I grew my clientele was working on Sundays until the afternoon, whatever. And um, now I work um, four days a week. Um, I work probably 38 hours in four days and I, um, don't book myself a lunch. I just work straight through it if I can. And I usually finish something early and that's like when I eat, um, the salon, we work with a couple of assistants. I probably make about, I would say I probably make about a hundred thousand dollars a year between tips and everything like that. And probably maybe more. And that's just me doing everything from men's haircuts at, you know, $50 a pop to doing, you know, um, balayages sometimes can go from like 300 to 500, depending on, you know, how much stuff it is. I've charged more for bigger things, you know, doing extensions. Um, I do hand tied extensions, um, doing relaxers on men who, you know, don't want to blow dry their hair. Like every single thing is something that I do and I don't care. I just want to make people's lives easier. I want to make them look better. I want to make them feel cuter. Um, and I just set my sights on, you know, having financial security, having good conversations with people that I like. Um, and, you know, just, I don't know. I feel, I feel good about how I get it. I definitely feel like there's was probably an easier way. I, I feel like sometimes you, you can't be everywhere and you can't have it all. Like I, I had to miss out on a couple of things or I had to show up places late because I was working and I was, and I was new. And sometimes that's just a part of, that's just a part of it. I like, totally I didn't, agree. You know, you I just to, you, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just wasn't that person at the time. And, and I'm also like a, like a little bit of like, um, I don't know, androgynous isn't the right word, but like, I'm not like a hyper feminine, um, girl in the industry. You, you like work I mean? in the masculine. Right. So like for, so for me too, like I, w- I wasn't like, even though the things that I can create can be really feminine and really soft and really beautiful, I'm not very feminine and soft. So I, to me to be in front of my phone and taking videos and pictures of myself would almost be like a deterrent in in a way that like well I yeah she does really nice hair but like I don't expect everybody to want to dress and look and behave the way that I do I have a little bit of a harder kind of a a thing you know to me at times you know so like I feel like that's that's kind of I feel like there's a disconnect between me and like the person that's looking for like that type of girl to do their hair you understand what I'm saying Yeah. And I think that that's interesting too, because people, I didn't realize until like recently, well, like the last, like maybe five years that people really personality is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, like I honestly believe that the stylist personality is like 80% of why a client comes to you. I really do. Like, I hate to say that because I know that like technical is important, but like, if Mm -hmm. you are not enjoying your time in someone's chair, like you are going to find someone else. Oh yeah. Um, 
So if I you don't feel like that person's listening. If you don't feel like that person cares, you know, all that right. stuff. And some people, some people, you could be, you could be total trash, but if you're hanging out and you're making them feel cared for and stuff, they'll give you tons of chances. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I've, I've seen color corrections come into the salon and I'm like, sis, what's going on with you? And they just look at me and they go, she's so sweet though. I really just liked her so much, but I just can't look like this anymore. I'm like, babe, come on. Yeah. It's interesting. So, you know, when I stopped doing hair for the 10 months and when I came back, you know, I had referred, um, all my clients to who cuts my hair and, um, who I love and she does great, like lived in looks and, and whatever. And, and it's like, they would come back and their hair would still look great. Like she did a great job and they would just go, but she wasn't you, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it's flattering though. It is, you know, it's it like, Oh, like you like me as a human. You don't just like my yeah. foils or my hands. A hundred percent. Especially when it comes from somebody that you also really like. Yes. Well, in this case, when I stopped for the 10 months, I only reached out to the people I really like. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, that's cool. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, um, I just think it's an important conversation to have because like I said, I just don't want stylists to feel like how other people work is how they have to work. Yeah. And also too, if you're not a sweet person, like I personally am not a sweet person. And like, that's like, I don't really want to work alone. I don't want to be like stuck in a room with like, you know, one or two of my clients by myself, like not really like my flavor. That's not the way that I like, I really enjoy the banter and like the fun that we have at work and like the music's loud. And we're like, just kind of like all bopping around and hanging out or we have the TV on and we're talking about whatever's going on. Like I, I enjoy that type of feeling. So if that's not for you, you know, you like, listen, you got, you have to have leverage with things. Like when I decided I wanted to make more money too, I, I, you know, I talked to my boss about my commission rate Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like, Hey, listen, so this is what I do. A lot of my services look like X, Y, and Z, and we're not spending a lot of money on this, this, and this. So how about you increase my rate to this? Or what if we, you know, um, if I do over this amount, um, I'm going to get this much instead. You know what I mean? So there's different ways that you can but you have to have, you know, I mean, you also have to ask yourself, are you working hard enough? Are you reliable enough? And are you good enough to have the type of leverage to ask, ask those questions and to ask for that type of money? Because if you don't feel comfortable, then you're probably not doing what you should do. Unless your boss is a total dick. But I was going to say, I was going to say there's other commission salons. So like if you're listening to this and you're a commission in a commission salon, like you can find other places that you fit well, because I do not think that being an independent artist is for everyone. I do not. Like when I went out on my own, um, it was like, I did a, I went directly to a suite from commission and it was hard. It was the first time I hired a coach because it was like, everything is on you and you understand fully when you go independent, where your commission, other part of your commission is going. (laughs) <laughs> in a commission salon. Like I immediately mm-hmm. was like, Oh, so I don't oh, yeah. get to keep 75% of this. Like <laughs> my commission actually went down when I went in independent. Um, oh, yeah. and then I moved from there. I loved it. I, I loved the conversation, um, with my clients being private. 
but I mm-hmm. hated, like, I would leave my client in my suite um, when I would eat lunch or during their process. Cause I don't double book. So I would leave mm-hmm. them in my suite during processing times. They loved it. They loved a little quiet time. I would sit in the hallway by myself and I hated that. There was nobody yeah. to talk to because everyone in the suites are working too. It's very yeah. rare when two people had time together. So I was lonely. Yeah. So yeah. then I moved and went to a big um, booth rental. Mm-hmm. I don't like big salons. I'm not a big mm. salon fan. I yeah. learned that very quickly. Too many people like, so now I'm in a space where there's only two other stylists yeah. and I love it. Like it feels yeah. like my suite because sometimes mm-hmm. they're not there and I have the whole place to myself. But sometimes they are there and it's like the perfect and I it took me a long time to figure out what I liked. And I will tell you, when I went from when I went from a suite to booth rental, I thought everyone was going to think that I failed in my suite. Mm. Because in my mind, you go commission and then you go here and then you do this. You don't backtrack and go from, you know, your own space to being in someone else's space. And I had to like coach myself out of that mindset because mm-hmm. it's bullshit and you've got to figure mm-hmm. out what works for you. Um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what I was expecting mentally. Uh, so that yeah, was but it, interesting. I think we're always kind of, uh, worrying about people counting our money for us somehow yes. or something like that. You know what I mean? When at the end of the day, it's like, you have to do what makes you feel good. Like my type of lifestyle, like I'm very specific on the things that like I will spend money on, on the things that I won't and the way that I do things to like save myself money. And like, I, I don't know. I mean, not everybody's the same, but like you got to do what feels good to you and you can't worry so much about other people. Sorry, there's a fly. You can't be so worried. (laughs) You can't be so worried about like what other people are going to think about your money or how you live or what you do. It's, it's just, you know, because that's the whole thing is I could pass judgment on, you know, the way I think a lot of other people do things. And at the end of the day, I mean, does it fucking matter? No, I said there's otherness, you know, we're just, you were just judging people's otherness. We are all different and you're different and you have to just figure out who you are and what you want and what you like. And like, I, I like where I'm at. And sometimes I, I thought about going to different salons or, and the only thing I ever think it's never about the people that I work with. Sometimes I'm like, I just wish we could just redecorate the whole place. Like if we could just <laughs> fucking knock everything down and fucking set it on fire and just start from scratch. But it's never about like changing the culture or changing the people. You know, it's like the aesthetics and stuff like that. But like at the end of the day, like I like working with people that work the way that I work. Mm-hmm. You know, I like being surrounded by people like, like they're not the same. And like, you know, now I have all my like woo-woo friends and you know, people that are into like, um, like self um, development and all that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy. And like, they're not super into that, but like, you can't like, like with your work, people trying to get them to be exactly the way that you are is like trying to find a partner that's going to fill every single part of you. It's just not possible. So, you know, but we, we work the same, we respect each other. Um, Nobody is disrespectful to anybody else's like space or time. We're all very helpful to each other. So, I mean, I like, I, I kind of like, you know, I I'm comfortable and, and sometimes I think it's in a bad way. And then other times I'm like, no, no, I think I'm just in a, in a spot where people just, just get it. Yeah. And that's it. And you know, it's you, you being in the growth mindset and them not so much, mm-hmm. you're inspiring them whether you realize it or not. Yeah. 
which is kind of cool. Cause I was there yeah. for a little bit with the commission in my commission salon. And then I would get mm-hmm. messages later and be like, Hey, remember that time we talked about this? Like, thank you for that. You know, like, which yeah. I think is pretty cool personally, just, just yeah. throw that out there. Yeah, no, I do. I think it's, it's harder too. I think when you're like, I'm the youngest of the older crowd there. So, you know, the older girls, they, sometimes they want to hear what I have to say. The younger ones, like, you know, it's like kind of like an in-between thing, but like, no, we definitely talk about that type of stuff. And, you know, they've seen me grow a lot and do a lot of different things in the past 10 years. So, yeah. But yeah. the same way that the same way that I feel like I hope I, you know, positively, uh, you know, affect them, they've definitely affected me in like, you know, they always kind of taught me like, like, no, do this, this and this. And like, they're, they, they kind of like raised me in a weird way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we talked like so early about like planning for retirement when I started there and like all these different things, you know, or like, Every, every single thing we sit around and we consult with each other every time one of us buys a car or like does this or does that we're all like chatting each other up about it so it's it's helpful to have like a group of people around that do the same thing that you do and support you and it's cool yeah I love that I think it's great so my last question for you sure I well I <laughs> I said I was going to ask everyone this, and I think I forgot the last like three people I've interviewed, but so <laughs> my consistency for you. Um, but okay, what is the quote unquote failure that you are the most thankful for? Um, what's the failure that I'm the most thankful for? I would, I don't know. That's a tough, that's a great question. That's a great <laughs> question, but it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I would say probably, probably the restaurant. Mm. Probably the restaurant. That was the hardest thing for me, but I learned a lot. Like I, I lost um, time, you know, time doing research and stuff I was buying um for anybody that doesn't know the story I've told Mrs. story but the the short version is basically I was looking for a way to um like make additional like income and like create honestly I was trying to create a retirement for my my mom I was trying to create like a different way for my mom to like live Mm-hmm. and make money and um a way to like kind of get my family into doing something together so I was um buying a franchised um pokey restaurant and so I was young for somebody doing that type of stuff I was probably like 28 um but I was like meeting with the CEOs of the company and then I ended up you know I'm getting the lease from this like really incredible shopping center on Long Island um and you know I had a partner and I think the lesson that I learned is um a lot about transparency I think my partner at the time was really trying to like appease me and believed in what we were doing um but wasn't all in. And I don't think she had been fully transparent with the people that um, mattered in her situation on those ends of things, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and um and it ended up kind of all falling through and we ended up you know and I was freaked out because I at the time I had built up my my credit score and I had helped my family like my brother get a car and my sister and you know I was doing all the stuff and it it um I was like fuck if I drop out of this lease like what's gonna happen am I gonna have to like file for bankruptcy like I was like I was like I I was catastrophizing the entire thing you know like anything could happen but somebody ended up taking over my lease at the shopping center which ended up making me um I wasn't responsible for it anymore awesome yeah um but I didn't know that was happening and it's not like the real estate company is keeping you in the loop Right on, on, you know, on if things are going well or not, because they just might just fucking try and sue your ass. (laughs) So long story short, I think that I would, um, you know, always choose, choose your partners wisely, be transparent with everybody all the time. Um, have a good guy clause in your lease (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and like, and I think the biggest lesson too is that like I thought that I had made the biggest mistake and that I had ruined everything I had worked for all the years of like paying my bills on time and all the years of helping everybody else and all this stuff like I'd just been destroyed by this one moment and I fucking bounced back. Yeah. I bounced back and like literally it's like not even something that I think about anymore. So you know? what is the biggest lesson there? Just that you can get through that it. You'll always be, yeah, that you'll always bounce back. I mean, even when things seem really, really hard, like you can't not try. You can't not try just because you might end up where you're still standing. Mm-hmm. Like you might eat, like you, you have to, if, if you're going to fail and by failing, you're just going to end up standing exactly where you still are with, a, with like, and you lost a couple hours and a couple of bucks, not a big deal. Because but you lesson, gained so much more knowledge. The, the, the lessons I learned, and not even that, but from like a legal standpoint, um, how to open an, an LLC, like things you have to do with your bank accounts, different things with leases and, and attorneys and lawyers and meetings and all the stuff. And I was like, I was watching videos on like how to, how to interview and all these different things that I was doing to prepare myself for the whole situation. And it cost me, you know, cost me a couple of bucks and some time and you know people pay a lot people pay a lot more money to learn that type of stuff yeah Yeah. awesome I love that that's a good end thank you so much as always Oh, you're so welcome and you know you're welcome back anytime even though you are technically you're about to be on it once a month you just didn't yeah and 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 we're going to talk again in like another two weeks yeah exactly (laughs) exactly all right thank you again Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you hear, screenshot this episode, post it on the gram, tag me at Misty Jane or tag the podcast at Backroom Beauty Talks, and I will talk with you on the next one.